this week's podcast, I almost stopped researching and writing and recording a bunch of times. The themes of this week's podcast are triggering, especially given my past. I ended many a session in tears for this family because I could relate. If I knew more about this case going in, I wouldn't have started, and if covered by another podcast, I wouldn't listen. For someone with PTSD, it's tough. But it's also very important that this family isn't forgotten and overshadowed by one man's selfish actions. So, this episode does have themes of domestic violence and suicide. If you find this triggering, this episode might be one to skip. Listen and discretion is advised. From the outside, the Edwards were a perfect family. A lawyer wife, a financial planner husband, and the pigeon pair high-achieving children, a boy and a girl, teenagers. But what people didn't know was the long history of emotional, psychological, financial and physical abuse from the father. And when the mother found the strength to leave, taking the children with her to an undisclosed location, the father would stalk the family and find them, chasing the children inside their home whilst the mother was at work. He shot them multiple times. He would then cowardly go home and suicide. The grief and heartache the mother felt was all too much and she too would suicide five months later. More devastation to an already devastating case where innocent people lost their lives at the hand of this man, this monster. And this wouldn't be the first time this man would create the trail of destruction. It would later be revealed he abused former partners and their children but they were all let down by numerous systems, allowing him to buy guns and ammo and murder his children, before being a fucking coward and killing himself, instead of facing what he did. This is Olga, Jack and Jennifer's story. Late afternoon in July 2018, a horrific crime was taking place in Sydney's leafy northwest. There's been a deadly shooting a short time ago in Sydney's northwest. The ambulance service has confirmed two people are dead. The young brother and his sister in Sydney shot dead by their own father, who then took his own life. 68-year-old John Edwards murdered his own teenage children, Jack and Jennifer, who were living with his ex-wife, Olga. I just couldn't believe it. I cried straight away. I just, I just couldn't believe it. After hearing the terrible news, Lana Kasyan texted her friend, Olga Edwards. And she texted me, John killed our children. My mind is dead. John Edwards was born July 12, 1950, in Broken Hill, country New South Wales. At 17, he ran away from home, stealing his mother's car, headed for the big city of Sydney, where he would remain for the rest of his life. Before Edwards meets Olga, and our story starts, I think it's important to highlight several red flags much earlier on where Edward was abusive to his partners and children where authorities and child protection services had every opportunity to stop what would eventually happen. Edwards met his first partner at age 18 in 1968, 
a woman who was only known as Ms A, and she was 17 at the time. They would quickly have two children together in 1970 and 1972, and to cement their family together, Edwards and Ms A would marry in August of 1972. It would be after this point, Edwards would become very controlling over the money in the home, giving his new wife a budget from week to week. In 1974, the family would go on holiday to the United States. He would announce he was leaving her and taking the children, that he found another woman. It seems this was the plan the entire time, maybe to humiliate and hurt his wife. Their eldest child refused to leave his mother and he returned to Australia with her. Edwards kept their daughter with him. Eventually, he would abandon her too and she returned to her mother. After this point, there are regular occurrences of the children reporting violence to their mother at the hands of their father. And despite a kidnapping where he would withhold the children from his ex-wife, none of these incidents were reported to police. At no fault to Ms A, it is possible she was made to feel that she was at fault, that she deserved this, that she would lose the children if she reported anything. And this is why she would remain silent until decades later. By 1984, Edwards was already married to another woman, a woman only known as Ms. C, and together they had a son. Ms. C wanted to leave this violent relationship at this point, but Edwards threatened to kill the entire family, to set them on fire if she would follow through with this so she stayed. It wouldn't be until another incident in 1987, where Edwards threw a rolling pin at her head and chased her out of the home would Ms C climb the neighbour's fence and beg for help, calling the police to remove Edwards from the home. Edwards would continue to intimidate and harass Miss C and their children for years after their separation. On one occasion, Edwards would take their son and withhold him from his ex-wife for days, refusing to return him. Something I had to learn the hard way, but the police won't get involved in a situation like this. They will say it's a family law issue and not a police issue. It's really frustrating and scary. Another occasion, Edwards parked his car across Ms C's driveway to prevent her from leaving the home. This time, the police did get involved, and Ms C obtained an apprehended violence order against Edwards. Once their son finished high school, he chose to no longer have a relationship with his father and would not speak to Edwards again. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I think it's the perfect time of year to have this as our sponsor. BetterHelp is an invaluable resource to have during the holiday season. We all know how crazy and stressful it can be. Family and money and work commitments. Trying to make it all work can really affect your mental health. Taking care of yourself first and foremost is so important and so easily overlooked. I know I can really neglect myself during this time of year. Instead of enjoying life and slowing down, I'm winding up and trying to keep everyone entertained and happy. So if your mental health is something you've been neglecting too, you need to check out BetterHelp. I've had several therapy sessions now with a new therapist, and the sense of ease I'm feeling navigating everything, how I'm handling stress, it's really helpful having someone there to talk to and give you different tools you may not have been aware of before. 
As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally trained and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It could not be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com stolen. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stolen. In early 1990, Edwards commenced a relationship with Ms. E after they connected via a singles column in the local newspaper. When Ms. C was five months pregnant, Edwards told her he wanted nothing to do with her and they separated. Regardless, when their son was eight months old, they would move back in together. Ms. E would later recall at the coronial inquest that Edwards would sleep with a machete beside the bed and tell her, quote, People like me aren't supposed to have guns. Unquote. Edwards convinced Ms. E to sell her home and give him $120,000. She would later state she was too frightened not to do what he said. Over the following years, Ms. E and her son were the victims of numerous incidents of domestic violence at the hands of Edwards. He would whip their son and his other children with a belt if they disobeyed him. Even after the couple split again and Ms. E moved, Edwards would still show up at her home unannounced, demanding to be let in, kicking the door in if she refused to open it. Quote, I had to let him in after this because I was completely worn down and his manner was threatening. I feared what he could do. Unquote. Their son would also grow up and refuse to have anything to do with his father. Olga was only 19 when she met John Edwards on an internet dating site. Despite their 30-year age difference, she followed him all the way from Russia to Australia. It was just shock, quite, quite shocking to me and to Andre because John was around 50 plus, I guess, at that time. And Olga was just from the different planet. She was just perfect. Absolutely beautiful, intelligent, young, like full of life. Really thoughtful and kind is the way I'd describe her. Very patient, um, with a little bit of a sense of humour. They married in 2001 and within three years had two children. While they presented a happy domestic image to the world, their marriage was troubled. October 2000. 50-year-old John Edwards would start talking to 19-year-old Olga through an international dating website, travelling to Russia to meet her in person. Olga would immigrate to Australia in August 2001. And then on November 10, 2001, Edwards and Olga would marry. Olga commenced a law degree, she not wanting to just rely on Edwards and wanted to contribute to the household. Jack John Edwards was born September 12, 2002, to parents Olga and John Edwards. Two years later, August 14, 2004, Jennifer Angel Edwards would be welcomed into the family, the perfect final addition to the family. Jack would later be described as free-spirited and sporty and an avid gamer. 
He was cheeky and headstrong and would do anything for his friends. He would also be fiercely protective of his best friend, his little sister, and his beloved mother. This protective nature would continue right up to Jack's last breath. Jennifer was much more reserved than her brother, an introvert. She loved getting lost in books and could read for hours and hours without a break. She loved ice skating and animals with dreams of becoming a veterinarian after finishing school. Both Jack and Jennifer were high achievers and excelled in their studies. At the time of their deaths, Jennifer was attending a selective high school, Gosford High School, where she was in the 8th grade. Whereas Jack was in the 10th grade at his local high school, Pennant Hills High School. Jack and Jennifer had the world ahead of them, so much hope and promise. Anything was possible. How could they or Olga or anyone who loved and cared for them know what could happen on that tragic July evening in 2018? He was controlling her salary, her expenses, her expenditure, whatever she was doing with money. Olga mentioned that John was very abusive. He could slap Jenny to the face and um, could leave the jack through the naked up like that, up to the wall. And she said it was really too much. It was really dangerous. Olga and Edward's relationship would change once the children were born. Edward starting to display controlling behaviour and intense anger towards Olga. He would control what she wore and how she did her hair. He would refuse to talk to her until she cried and begged for forgiveness. But it wouldn't be just Olga who took the brunt of Edward's anger. He would soon turn his attention to his son. When Jack was about 10 years old, he hit Jack in the face with a book and cut him under his eye. If Jack or Jennifer were disobedient, John would do something he would call finger treatment. He would bend their finger back, squash it and cause them pain. In 2013, when Jack was 11 years old, he had an argument with his mother because he wanted to call the police on his father. In Olga, she begged him not to. Jack telling his mother he kept a bat in his room to protect himself against Edwards. Jennifer would also tell Olga around this time she kept a butter knife under her pillow and she would never turn her back on her father. 2015, on a family trip to Paris, Edwards chased 13-year-old Jack out of the hotel they were staying at. He held Jack against the wall and he strangled him. Strangers on the street intervened to help the teen and the police were called. November that same year, Edwards assaulted Jack again because he touched his father's phone. Edwards chased him, cornered him and started to punch and kick him. Olga again begged Jack not to call the police. It all became too much for Olga on Christmas Day 2015 and Olga told Edwards she wanted a divorce. By this point, the family's relationship had deteriorated to a point of no return. But Edwards did what most narcissistic men do in this situation. When they're losing control, they get the victim in the fields. He begged and he cried and he pleaded with Olga to give him one more chance, that things would change, he would change, that she owed this to him and their family. And Olga, loving her children more than anything, she wanted things to be better and she truly believed Edwards when he said it was going to be. 
But as things go in abusive relationships, they never do get better. They only get worse. To the point one partner leaves or one partner is seriously or fatally injured. The physical abuse of Jack continued. The psychological control of Olga continued. He controlled the family's money. Olga had to hand over her salary. She was a working lawyer at this point and making good money. But as soon as she got paid, it was given to Edwards. She was given a budget for groceries and she really didn't know the financial position of the family. Edwards would actually tell Olga they were significantly less well-off than they really were. This would continue for another three months. It continued to a point 13-year-old Jack would run away from home. Jack, being the main victim of the physical violence, felt desperate, and he did not want to be part of that environment anymore. He was found 3.30 the following morning at Bondi Beach. He told police he ran away from home because of his parents' fighting. In 2016, Olga applied for a divorce. She filed complaints with police alleging her husband had been violent towards her and the children. Despite those complaints, her estranged husband was later granted a firearms licence and bought the guns he would use to murder his own children. When we have this kind of tragedy and fatality and all the facts are laid bare, we see that this should never have happened. March 11, 2016. Olga took the children and left. No more discussions, no more chances. They went to stay with a friend without telling Edwards they were going and where to. Olga would tell her friend she was frightened of what Edwards would do when he knew that she left, that he had made threats in the past he would kill her if she ever took the children away from him. Edwards would taunt Olga. He would make bizarre claims telling police that Olga was breaking into their own home, that she was stealing items from the home, that her boss assaulted him when he came with Olga to the family home to get more of her belongings. And somehow he discovered where Olga went. He would send a letter to the home address of the friend Olga, Jack and Jennifer were staying with, thanking her for looking after his family. Around this time, Edwards would start seeing one of two psychologists he would see before his death. The first psychologist would state, quote, John has moderate levels of stress and anxiety, combined with extreme levels of depression relative to the population. Unquote. The second psychologist he would see closer to his death would state, quote, He does have suicidal ideolations, while he doesn't necessarily want to die. Unquote and that Edwards was clinically depressed. July 2, 2016, the court ruled in favour of an apprehended violence order for Olga, and that Edwards could not come within 500 metres of her or the home. Judge Jarrett agreed to disclose Jack and Jennifer's address to Edwards if he agreed to stay that 500 metres away, but Edwards would not agree, so he was never told their address. After this, Edwards would show up unannounced and uninvited to places he knew Jack or Jennifer would be. He went to Jack's school. He went to Jennifer's school. He went to Jennifer's sixth grade graduation and tried to give her a dog. He conveniently bumped into Jack at the train station and tried to give him a letter. In December of 2016, Edwards hired a private investigator to follow Olga at her work and home because he believed she was in a new relationship. 
February 8, 2017. Edwards turned up at Olga's 6am yoga class. This terrified her and she went straight to the Hornsby Police Station to report the breach of the apprehended violence order. But when the police picked him up on this charge, he would not only deny stalking his estranged wife, but claim that it was in fact Olga stalking him. The police would not proceed to file any charges and closed the incident without further action. December 13, 2016 would be Edward's first attempt at a gun permit. He would answer no to being the subject to a family law domestic violence order and no to suffering from a mental illness which may prevent him using firearms safely. So basically, he flat out lied. He would try another 10 times before finally being permitted to hold firearms. Edwards would then spend the next two months trying to get membership to a gun club. He approached the Karingai Pistol Club on March 29, 2017, but they would decline his membership application due to deep concerns about him. Quote, He came to our club some time ago and we are not very happy with him. There were too many things about him we didn't feel comfortable with. Unquote. He would be declined membership for two more gun clubs before finally being approved for St Mary's Pistol Club on May 11, 2017. Now, the importance of being accepted into a gun club. This is a necessity in Australia because even with a gun permit, you cannot actually purchase a gun without being a member to a gun club to store your gun or guns at. This was an important step in Edward's plan. February 14, 2018. The family law proceedings in relation to custody of Jack and Jennifer were finalised. The orders made by Justice Stevenson determined that Olga had sole parental responsibility and they were to live with her full-time. Olga had to arrange the children to see a psychologist, something Olga had been doing for years anyway. More importantly, the children had no requirement to spend time with their father and he could only attend parent-teacher meetings if all three were not present. This would have obviously angered Edwards beyond belief. It was now official. He had no more control over Olga, Jack and Jennifer. He could no longer have a say in how they lived their lives. Less than a month later, March 13, 2018, Edwards would make his first of many visits to Horsley Park Gun Club, and he purchased a Magnum Smith & Wesson revolver. This was the firearm Edwards used to take his own life. Only four weeks after that, Edwards would return to the same gun shop and purchase a Glock semi-automatic pistol. This would be the firearm Edwards used to fatally shoot Jack and Jennifer Edwards. Well, John idolised his children, and we couldn't imagine that he would have shot them. Police are responding to reports of a shooting at a home in West Pennant Hills. It's a crime that shocks to the core. Two children have been killed in a shooting. Their mother in 2018, Jack and Jennifer, and ultimately their mother Olga, were destroyed by the one man who should have protected and loved them Jennifer most. And Jack Edwards, gunned down by their own father. And tragically, they were let down by a system that failed to take seriously the threats of their 67-year-old father. May well be domestic violence related. July 5th, 2018, 7.30am. Olga drove Jennifer to Pennant Hills Railway Station to catch the train to school in Gosford. 
This would be the last time Olga saw her daughter alive. Olga then drove back home, woke up Jack and dropped him off at school around 10 to 9. This would be the last time Olga saw her son alive. She then went to work herself. Around 10.15, Edwards went to the home of friend Peter Foreman and gave him a large envelope, saying, quote, If anything happens to me, unquote. Peter said at the coronial inquest he understood he was not to open the package. This envelope was later opened by police. It contained Edwards' last will and testament. There were also smaller envelopes addressed to ex-wives, other children, friends and his family law lawyer. Suicide notes of sorts. In one of the envelopes to an ex-wife, there was over $5,000 in cash. 3.15pm. Edwards left his home in a rented car. It's thought he rented this car as to not raise suspicion. That if Jack or Jennifer saw his car, they would know it was him and his plan would not work. With him, he had his Glock pistol, along with at least two 10-round magazines of ammo. A new tyre iron sat at the footwell of the passenger side of the car. He drove to Pennant Hills train station and he waited. He waited for Jennifer to return from school. He watched his daughter board the Hills bus and he followed it to the bus stop near their home. And then he followed Jennifer while she made the short walk to her driveway. It was when Edwards pulled into the driveway behind his daughter, Jennifer recognised him and she ran. She ran inside, throwing her school bag near the front door. She ran upstairs to her and Jack's shared bedroom. Jack was already home from school and playing Fortnite on his computer at his desk. Jennifer begged her brother for help. They attempted to board up the door with some furniture, and then Jennifer hid under the desk. Edwards got into the bedroom and started shooting. Jack did all he could to protect his sister from the relentless bullets hitting her, but there was little he could do. 15-year-old Jack was willing to give his life for his best friend, 13-year-old Jennifer. He put his body over hers, but the bullets were only going through his body and into hers. Once the magazine was emptied, Edwards ejected it, placing it into his pocket and the new magazine replacing it. He kept shooting until there was no bullets left. Edwards then left his children to die. Neighbour Bruce Wilson heard four loud bangs and he walked down his driveway to investigate. It was an unusual occurrence for anything to happen in his quiet suburban street. He saw Edwards and asked him if everything was all right. Edwards never said a word. He got into his car and reversed out of the driveway. Immediately after Edwards left, Bruce knew something was wrong. Olga and her children seemed so sweet and he had never seen this man before. He walked up to the front door to make sure they were all right. The door was wide open and he yelled out if anyone was home, but there was no response. At this point, other neighbours had come out of their home to investigate. They were all sure the sounds they heard were gunshots. Bruce called the police for help at 5.20pm. Police arrived on the scene 15 minutes later, entering the family home. It would be Senior Constable Skinner who would make the gruesome discovery, one that would not be forgotten. First responders would later describe the crime scene as harrowing and absolutely horrific. They found Jack lying on top of Jennifer, protecting his beloved younger sister until his dying breath. 
Jennifer in the fetal position, cowering under her brother. New South Wales Acting Commissioner Brett McFadden would later report to the media, quote, Nothing can prepare you for walking into a home and seeing two children in that state. There are no words. Unquote. It was at the same time Senior Constable Skinner was checking for pulses on the siblings that Olga would return home. I could not imagine what she was thinking, seeing multiple police cars in her driveway. I truly believe Edwards timed his attack, hoping Olga would be the one to find Jack and Jennifer. Olga frantically tried calling her children's phones, yelling to police officers, quote, What are you doing at my house? Why are you here? Unquote. When police told Olga what they found inside, her grief was overpowering. She told police she knew exactly who was responsible. It was her estranged husband, John Edwards. Even though it has never been clear how Edwards found the family, the only answer was he must have been stalking them. He knew their every move, waiting to put his sick plan into action. The only question was now, where was Edwards? After murdering his children, Edwards returned to his home in Normanhurst. Shortly after 6pm, he placed the muzzle of his Magnum Smith & Wesson in his mouth. He tilted it slightly upwards and he pulled the trigger, killing him instantly. Police began to quietly monitor the house, which continued throughout the night. At 6.18am on July 6, 2018, the New South Wales Police Tactical Operations Unit made their move. They entered the house through Edward's bedroom, only to find him dead, suicided by a single gunshot wound to the head. Found in Edward's shirt pocket was the train timetable between Gosford and Pennant Hills. There was also a note describing Jennifer's afternoon movements from Gosford High School to Pennant Hills, further proving the lengths Edward went to to stalk his family. Anti-domestic violence campaigner and former Australian of the Year Rosie Batty formed a special bond with Olga in the months after the tragic murder. She really wanted to share treasure photos and videos of her children. She wanted me to be able to see who they were, how wonderful they were. Consumed by grief, just before Christmas 2018, a heartbroken Olga took her own life. John Edwards didn't murder Olga, but he may as well have put a gun to her head as well. What he did was more cruel because he knew he'd taken away the things, to, the most important things in her life and left her to suffer, and left her to suffer, just like Luke's father did to me, the ultimate act of power and control. After losing Jack and Jennifer, Olga understandably struggled. It took its toll on her mental and physical health. She was in and out of hospital. But the police officers who were there that day and found her children, and it was obvious to everyone that as the months went on, Olga's well-being further deteriorated. December 12, 2018. They became worried when they were not able to contact her. They went to her home at 10am for a welfare check. Five months after the death of her children, Olga Edwards was found dead in her home which she shared with her children. 
dead from an apparent suicide. Life without her beloved children was far too much for even a strong survivor like Olga to envision. A coronial inquest was held in September 2020 into the deaths of Jack and Jennifer Edwards. New South Wales coroner Teresa O'Sutherland called the actions of John Edwards, quote, the acts of a vicious coward, unquote, that there was evidence the murders had been planned out for several months, if not years, but the final timing may have been determined by the court judgment delivered the same week as the murders that the family law court did nothing to protect the safety of Olga and her children. How could there have not been more background checks of Edward's legal and criminal history before granting him a gun permit and allowing him access to numerous handguns? Quote, The big question here, which we absolutely cannot understand, is did the court know that he had firearms when they handed down the judgment saying he was not allowed anywhere near his family? Unquote. A subsequent police inquiry into Olga's reports later revealed at the inquest that the police made some crucial errors by not classifying one of the incidents as an assault, neglecting to mention the existence of children and not asking about firearms. When you're then turning around and saying, I need help, this guy's got a violent process towards my children or perhaps even me, I would have thought with four pre-existing AVOs, that that's a no-brainer to keep it a bit more serious than, than not. In a statement, New South Wales Police said it will review the inquest findings and consider all the recommendations that are directed to police. Coroner O'Sutherland would pass down 24 recommendations in her report. This included New South Wales Police needing a lot more domestic violence-related training, as well as training for firearm registry staff to recognise risks of domestic violence, and better information sharing between the gun registry, police and the family court. Although it's taken something truly horrible, three people had to lose their lives. Not only three. This unfortunately isn't the only case where children are killed by their parent despite the other parent. This was one tragedy that never should have happened to make these changes. There really needs to be better forward thinking by these agencies who are supposed to be there to protect the innocent. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss an episode and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.